Welcome back to a new episode of the Mets Legends cast. And man, it's been a long time since I've said that. Feels like uh, an eternity, if I do say so myself. My name is Rob Pearsall, and I, of course, am joined by my co-host, Alex Carigliano Michelli. Alex, it's been a long time, buddy. How you doing today? How you feeling? How's everything been? Robbie, we're back together again. Yet I, again. I've been great. Yet again. We're the beginning and the, the end. For the first time, for the last time. Yeah, like this, is, the this is the beginning the of the end. end. <laughs> no, the beginning and the end. Not, not all <laughs> the end. Oh, you're silly. Kind of kind of like the Big Bang. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, you know, uh, I've moved like three times since we last spoke, but I'm settled. Alex lives uh, in a different country altogether now. Who would have thought? Made up, I'm in a made-up country. inching away. I'm off the grid. I made a, uh, a, a tweet. That came off as a threat, and I had to flee the country. Alex is living uh, under an assumed name, and the assumed name is Alex Corigliano Michelli. Yeah, because that's they wouldn't expect that, you know. You you've actually been living under an assumed name this whole time, and you've just been on the lam. New York was just a stop that you had along the way, and that's how we met. We were like two ships passing in the night, and now you're on to bigger and better things in Central America. Yeah, you know, just like one of many stops. Only some um, of I'm that great. was true. Only some of that was true. Only it's a little up, bit. It's up to you to decide what of that was true. Yeah, which um, actually leads us to the new theme of our podcast. It's a mystery pod. Yeah, this is a murder mystery podcast. Um, you know, baseball is just so last century. Murder mysteries are really what's in right now. The true crime Bas- genre, Just there's a lot of growing to be done. You know, not enough people are doing true crime drama. No, not nearly enough. There's not enough of it on TV. Not enough um, podcasts dedicated to the medium. I'm always saying we need we need more of that, you know. And who better than us? I just found out what crime is, I, and altogether. Yeah, I'm like, I was like, I, I was watching the news. I'm like, you hearing about this? It was crazy. It was <laughs> it was eye open. I've never committed a crime, so I'm like, there, there's people going out of their way to do bad. Yeah, I, who? I mean, what? Yeah, it's just you know it's the you know it's the real crime. How bad the Mets were this season? That's <laughs> right, buddy. Boom, bang, Woo. got em. Woo! Wow, just buried them six feet under with that shit. You know, obviously we can't like hide around it, right? I mean, the Mets were doing really bad. I think there was waning enthusiasm on both sides with every pod. Um, you know, discussing like I didn't even watch the game. When, we're, when we would get onto the mic, you know, because it was just so hard to watch. It was a it, pretty horrible season. I feel like each Mets season is unlike any other than the year before, if that made any sense. Like, each season is like its own, like, shitstorm of something. Like, this year, everyone knows what happened, but if you have been living under a rock for the last six months or so... We will give you a short breakdown, and I will try to do that in about 30 seconds. The Mets failed to sign Carlos Correa. Then Edwin Diaz tore his Achilles in the World Baseball Classic. The Mets were absolutely horrible. They traded Max Scherzer away. They traded Justin Verlander away. They traded everybody away except for Jonathan Arauz. They expectedly missed the playoffs, and Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer got World Series rings with a different team, the Texas Rangers. I think that about sums it up, wouldn't you say? I mean, it, it, it was actually 
surprisingly uh, good. You did leave out a Mets legend when discussing rings. Travis Jankowski, the most important do member that? of that team. The most How important do member that? of the team. The biggest contributor. Former he he had a key RBI. He had a key RBI in that series. He was, I'm not joking when I say that he actually, of the three of those guys to get a ring, probably contributed most to that team. I don't know. DeGrom was actually pretty good for his like four starts that he had in the beginning hey, of the season. The the three-team race in the AL West, which was probably the most exciting race in baseball between the Astros, Rangers, and Seattle, where they all finished, what, like within a game of each other? Yeah, and those uh, six starts matter. He had six wins, right? Did he have? Did he start six games? I guess he did. And then was it? Was it, was it started six games or did he win six games? Uh, it was pretty early in the season, right? It was like early May when he was out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, either you know, either way, yeah. Good for Jake. Good for Max. Neither of them really contributed, so I'm not going to lose too much sleep over it. Uh, the Mets are in a new era. One thing that I did miss is that Buck Showalter is no longer the manager of the New York Mets. A large contingency of the fan base thought that it was going to be Craig Council. Craig Council stunned the baseball world and is now a manager of the Chicago Cubs. Um, I really want to see David Ross go and manage the Brewers now. That would be some real drama that I would just love to see. But the Mets opted with an under-the-radar signing, and that was Carlos Mendoza, bench coach of the New York Yankees, in what is David Stern's first big move. And yes, that's right. David Stern's is now the president of baseball operations. Wow, a lot has happened since we last recorded. But David Stern's, in his first big decision as the big man, hires Carlos Mendoza. I believe that this is the fifth of the last sixth managers that the Mets have hired that have been inexperienced which would make sense, right? Because Buck Showalter was experienced, but before that it was Rojas, Beltron, Mickey Calloway. So I guess four or five, not five or six, unless I'm doing my math wrong. But so, yeah, um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend like I know a lot about Carlos Mendoza. I don't. Um, I think a lot of Mets fans also don't, but from what I've read, it seems like he is receptive to, utilizing different statistics and analytics and whatever uh, to communicate with his team. Uh, and I think that's big. That's big. I think that's what the Mets wanted. Um, I think Council would have done that as well, but Mendoza is going to be making far less money than Council ended up receiving. And the Mets are banking on the fact that he is going to grow with this team. And the Mets are going to have a new look team next year, regardless of what happens. Uh, we'll get into that later. But Alex, do you have any thoughts on the Mendoza hire? Do you have any thoughts on the David Stearns hire? Do you have any thoughts on Buck Showalter not returning? I'd love to hear all about it yeah you know i'll start with i'll start with buck um you know i think that the, you know the tenure didn't end the way we wanted it to and i think some people started to sour on buck really in i guess um it, it, with the way the playoffs shook off last year i think a lot of people derided the initial idea of separating jake and and scherzer um, because the initial idea was to have Scherzer start the first game and then Bassett the second game uh, so they could save uh, Jake because um, they were kind of cocky with it and then you know have him pitch the third game, wound up not happening. Jake wound up being the only effective pitcher in the entire series for the Mets, and he wasn't even that great. I don't know. I mean, a lot of that. Buck, I'll say this about Buck. I like the guy. 
He has great what, guy. Four consummate three, professional. Consummate professional. Three, four. I forget. <laughs> Manager of the year awards. I think it was four. Um, the the media loves him because he's very good working with the media. Whether he gives them a lot or gives them little, he was just he's really charming. He's very much like a like a grandpa figure in the clubhouse, and uh, you could tell that everybody in that clubhouse loved and admired Buck. You know, people cried. There's uh, stories of you know like how how upset Pete was. How I'm gonna you know he said he was gonna talk to you know, talk to management about it. He was really upset. Um, we know Lindor and his daughter loves Buck. Yeah, they, they they all loved Buck. There was that story that came out in The Athletic about like kind of the downfall of the season. And when, when Pete was in his deepest slump, you know, they, they mentioned him going to Buck's office and like apologizing to him, kind of like crying. Um, and I think that, and then as this year, you know, shook out and, the way he kind of stuck to Volgaback, which, you know, after the season it came out that that might have been Epler's saying. But who? Oh who's yeah, to Billy say? Epler's gone too. Oh, Billy Epler's gone. Yeah, was, <laughs> so much has happened. My recap geez, fell short of oh a few gosh. key details. And I thought it was a good recap too. And then it's like, oh yeah, this and this and this and this and this and this. That's like, what I'm saying can, though. It's like every Mets season is a shit show. There's a, it's like a unique shit show. It's <sighs> Billy Epler might be going about, to the electric chair. We don't know. We don't really know. Yeah, this he's probably like in some shack right now playing Russian roulette to uh, win his freedom. <laughs> yeah, just with like Rob Manfred and like, you know. And Joe Bud, Torrey. Bud like, Selig is there for some inexplicable reason. They're like, he's like, I don't even work for MLB. And Rob's like, shut up, bud. You're here for a reason. <laughs> uh, the um, ghost of Casey Stengel. Um, anyway. The it's the sum up long story short with the buck thing. He, the consummate professional in him rose the floor of the Mets. And I think everything just came together in 2022. There was, you know, it being a lot of veterans, he's just more high risk, but there was a lot of really good health that season too. And they had a really high batting average on balls in play. That was also part of their style of their game to slap it out. And they, they, they did really well with that. Got them far, not enough home runs, fell short. The next season, the luck did not continue. A lot of injuries. The the old pitchers could not hold up their end. Scherzer was done. Like he showed, he, he was showing his fatigue at the end of the 2022 season. Carlos Carrasco just no did good. not did not pitch well. Awful. Um, also, was awful. I think that it it really looms large that the Mets didn't re-sign Chris Bassett. Um, yes, and I was a big advocate of the Mets re-signing Chris Bassett. And I was I the one think, who was against it, and you're right. Like he, he should have signed him. Well, I think that recency bias really took place for. Yeah. I mean, amongst a lot of the fan base, and right. I mean, listen, rightfully so. He didn't pitch well against the Braves, but neither did Scherzer and Degrom, quite frankly. And he didn't pitch that great against the Padres in the wild card game. But I think that that really shouldn't have summed up his Mets career. Uh, and, and, he, and he went to Toronto and he pitched really well this season. So that was and a the thing, big loss the, for the Mets. And the thing about Bassett is it wasn't a super high ceiling guy. Like he's not someone who you want to be like you one or your one or two starter. Who's you going to, you know, rely upon in the, in the postseason? you know, when you want to have like those two aces, but he's definitely a guy who even, you know, going back to it, you would still trust to take the ball as like your, your game three starter. 
like a Ranger Suarez type, you know, because he's just he's good. He competes. He has a huge pitcher pitching arsenal. He he had like he had more innings pitched than anybody in the Mets this year. You know, he I think it was close to two hundred. It might have been a career high. I mean, he had a really good season. I um, think that yeah. I mean I know the argument, and that the argument was well, the Mets signed Kodai Sanga, who had a great year, and Fantastic therefore year. they couldn't sign Bassett. But I don't agree with that, and that's because. They also – so they lost DeGrom, Bassett, and Taiwan Walker mm-hmm. in free agency. And they signed Verlander, Kodai Sanga, and Jose Quintana. But realistically, it's like I think they should have probably brought Bassett back also because we also saw this year how exposed the pitching rotation got when guys got injured. Um, and I think that's a mistake that the Mets can't make again. Uh, we can get into that in a bit, but pitching is so important. And really, going into twenty twenty four, you can't have Joey Lucchese as a guy who is going to be even close to being your number five or six or even seven option. In my opinion, I mean, he's a guy that really should be in a pinch or maybe at the back end of a doubleheader, being called up from Triple A. Um, you know, so. But, yeah, I agree with all you said about Buck, just to get back to that for a second. I think that he's a really great person. I just think that this year the Mets fell flat, and I think they're going in a different direction, as we saw uh, at the trade deadline, right? We saw at the trade deadline. And with the, um, you know, I mean, like the rule changes had a bigger effect on the game than anyone could have anticipated. I think all of the older pitchers, it just had a, you know, they struggled more than anybody else because to have that much less time in between each pitch took a lot. And I think the game sped up, you know, you could make a really slow, meticulous pace and someone who's a deep thinker uh, like Buck, he could really take advantage of that. But when you have the pitch clock going between pitches and you have to make like quicker decisions on those challenges and when to pull a guy and everything else, I think the game got too fast and, he, I think it got, I think it passed him by, and I think I think ultimately how much um, the players cared about him and admired him. I think that was also a detriment because you shouldn't you know you shouldn't be that close to your boss. I think you should be able to like your boss. I don't think you want to have to. You don't want to like spend more time than you have to with your boss, you know. And I think them being that close with him. Uh, suddenly when they're not performing, they feel like they're letting him down when it should just be like when, and that, and that brings too much, makes it too personal. And I think it really weighed on them heavily. I think, you know, and your leaders in the clubhouse aren't those guys who are going to be able to say, Hey, listen, you know, next at bat, that's all it is, you know, chin up, we're good, whatever. Like, no, they were really like struggling. And I think, I think, the thought of him possibly being fired even at the end of the season, even though it seemed like it was unbelievable to them, I think it weighed on them. And I think it made it too personal. And, you know, David Stearns comes in. He has a new vision, his own vision for the team. And, and it seemed like Steve Cohen was was kind, even when Billy Epler, before he was sent to the clink, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> by MLB, the the direction was is was changing. So the writing was kind of in the tea leaves for Buck. Um, you know, if you read the tea leaves, it was sure. I mean, even Scherzer, right? When he got traded, it was it was 
okay, Billy Apple and Steve Cohen are telling him that the Mets are going in a different direction. And that's why he was traded to the Rangers. And, you know, same thing with David Robertson and Justin Verlander. So the writing was kind of on the wall there. But I just think that this season, it just the vibes were were just off from the beginning too, off. you know. And I think that they really do need a fresh person in the clubhouse, um, and they're going to have a lot of new faces on the team as well, you know. And I, but I think that David Stearns, I don't think it's going to be instantaneous. I don't think the Mets are going to go out and win the World Series this next year. But you got to look at the long term picture. The Mets finally have a guy in charge who's going to do things the right way. They haven't had that since Steve Cohen has owned the team. You've had a revolving door of guys. You know, Jared Porter was a sex pest and Ugh. was fired, and Zach Scott had a DUI and probably shouldn't have been the GM anyway. And Billy Epler was kind of like a fifth option for the Mets. So. David Stearns is the guy that I think that Steve Cohen really wanted all along, and now he's here, and we have to trust the process. And he's a guy that I actually can rely on now, and I think that I can trust from an outside perspective. And the Mets haven't had a GM like that in a really, really long time. So um, I'm very excited to see what Stearns is going to do. But with that being said, let's segue into free agency. Um, what do you think the Mets, A, their biggest need is this offseason, and who do you think they're going to they're gonna target? And who would you like to see them target? Uh, let's start with that, actually. Who would you like to see them target, and what are their biggest needs? Well, I'm not even going to touch on Otani because I honestly not I think I think he's a Dodger. He's it's a not Dodger. Happening. He's not. Yeah. The Mets are not signing him, and that's okay. That's okay. If they get Soto, yeah. I'll be more than happy with that, um, But but go on. Yeah, so I think number one, and you know, I've said it <laughs> the whole year, Yamamoto, and I really think it's happening. It's going to happen. Really, I think it's between the Mets and the Yankees. Maybe like maybe the Red Sox, but I think it's really the Mets and the Yankees. And I think ultimately, if it comes down to money, the Mets will pay more. Uh, so Yamamoto, I I really feel strongly that's going to happen. He's I such felt a strongly man. about. I felt strongly about Senga. I, if you play back the ta- tape last year, I was not pro giving $40 million to Justin Verlander. Um, I wanted Senga, and I actually wrote a Rodon. So I wanted goodness, Rodon, no too. Rodon. That, was, that yeah. aged like milk, but I wanted oh Rodon, gosh. too. Awful. I, I mean, um, I really didn't think that he was going to have a fall from grace like he did. Yeah, I mean, not everyone's built for New York. Um, and maybe he rebounds, who knows. Uh, but I think uh, they're going to have to go for relief pitchers, I think. I mean, they need to add a lot in terms of like depth guys you could go to because the Billy Epler model did not work, but you still need to have that be part of your formula. But in terms of like getting leverage guys back, hey, they're going to have Edwin Diaz back, which I is think so it, huge. And I think huge. that, and I think that we underestimate how big that's going to be. But that's, I mean, the Mets really, really missed Edwin Diaz this past year. That bullpen was so much more exposed without Diaz last year, um, this yeah. past year. And I think that it's like in 2022, you knew that if it was a close game, you know, you just needed to bridge maybe an inning to get to him. But And for as good as David Robertson was with the Mets before he was traded, you just you can't replicate Diaz. And I think that if Diaz was not hurt, you know, you probably have a lot more success as a team as a whole because Robertson would have been a fine setup guy Brooks Raley and Adam Onovino would have been fine seventh inning guys splitting the duty. You know, it was just it had a big knockdown effect on the rest of the the rest of the bullpen. So getting Diaz back is huge. Um, 
talking about Adovino, he's also gone, <laughs> uh, which yeah, just Adovino's happened. Gone, that's right. So, um, yeah, yeah I, mean, I think you know, you're right. Diaz was a three-win player. There's only been two three-win uh, relief pitchers the last two years, and that was Diaz last year. And this year, um, even though I think he got hurt early, the dude from – uh, the Orioles, I think, you know, oh. he was a three-win pitcher. I think Devin Williams came close. But, I mean, that when you lose who's someone... The, who's the Orioles pitcher? The, the, the closer. Oh, what does oh, it matter? Oh, 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 oh. Can, not Cano. Felix Batista. Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, losing him is huge. I think they could go after David Robertson again. Maybe he'd have a bad taste in his mouth from getting traded. And, and I also... If we're going to go back to like roll back the tape, I said he was not going to have a good second half and they should consider trading him um, no matter what at the beginning of the season because I would, I did not think that he was going to continue to be good in the second half of the season. He wasn't for the Marlins and he netted the Mets back some really solid depth. Um, couple good leaguers. prospects. Couple good, good prospects. Good prospects. The Mets um, really I've, sold high on him. Overall, I mean, I got to say, like, I don't think Billy Epler did a horrible job. I just think that like, and I think that like him working in cohesion with date with David Stearns would have been fine overall. But yeah, I think, I think Epler did an okay job as the Mets GM um, for the most part. I mean, you know, it was kind of easy to, to trade Scherzer and uh, Verlander when they were eating so much of the money uh, that made yeah. it a lot more appealing for the teams that they were, that, that, that were acquiring those guys. But you know, I think, Apart from the Darren Ruff trade and the Daniel Vogelback trade, I think that Billy Epler did okay as the Mets GM overall. He did. He utilized the resources the way he should. Um, you know, and you can't expect Marte to be as hurt as he was or as he's been uh, the last year. Maybe he rebounds this year. He doesn't need any offseason surgery. David Peterson is getting um, a hip labrum. Repair it, so he's out seven, eight months. That's why the starting uh, pitching like one. really needs to be a priority. Yeah. So it's it's starting pitching, starting pitching. Yamamoto number one. Um, have a, just just because I like him, pie in the sky type of thing. Left-handed reliever. Why not go get Joely Rodriguez back? Um, I think Seth Lugo. If he wants to explore that reunion, I think they should go after Seth Lugo. And if because new administration too, so if he wants to start, they could start. He could start for them. He he was a good starter last year. And, and if not like, Seth Lugo, then go get Michael Waka. Yeah, let's just run it back. Just bring back every every Met of the past. <laughs> but just because like there's a lot of starting pitches out there, I don't want them to go after like every ace. Um, again, I think it's silly. Yamamoto is 25. Um, I don't think that um, I I do not believe in Blake Snell. I think he has a good season every five years, uh, and he had, he led the league in walks uh, last year. Even though he's probably going to be the Cy Young winner, and I just don't want a guy with that level of variance. He doesn't even average five and two thirds innings per start, so I don't I don't want that. Um, I don't want that at all. I don't think Nova Nola Nova. I don't think Adam Nola is um, Adam. It's not Adam. Aaron. What? Aaron. Aaron Nola is realistic. Adam Nova. I think Nova. he's a Philly. <laughs> Adam Nova is, a, is, is, he's just a really great DJ. I think um, he's going to the Red Sox. I think, I just like feel that Red in Sox my is bones. interesting. That's interesting. I could see that. So they're going to go after people, I think. And just to, just to round up my thing, um, those pitchers, I don't think you go after too many starters, just like lower end guys, but like, like medium. I think, I think I like the way that the Mets have played the starting pitcher market. 
outside of um, Scherzer and, and Verlander. Uh, I like that they've gone after a lot of like mid-level guys with high upside who've worked out uh, between. Quintana. I mean, he got hurt and there were injuries, but like you know, outside of Walker and Bassett, you also had last year with Quintana. When he came back, he was really good. He was so, good. very underrated. You know, like just guy that just quiet goes about his business. Had a really good second half after yeah. he came back. Um, I think he's going to be a good number five guy for the Mets. Um, yeah, and then you know, just two. Two more bats. I, I think Jordan Hicks could be interesting too. He's he's a huge variable in in terms of bullpen stuff. And then uh, Joel, uh, Adam Duvall and Mitch Garver. I I like Mitch Garver. Tell me what you think about Mitch Garver because he could be a good backup to um, Alvarez. No way, Francisco Alvarez. He could be a good backup to Alvarez. He could be your DH when he's not catching he has a world series ring he has like that experience of a world series run so he could be like a good veteran to have there in the clubhouse and obviously adam duvall also a world series veteran uh great outfielder and a good bat why not having to be the guy either so those are my free agents i think the mets will probably play the trade market that could be like another episode but i think maybe we see some former brewers and maybe juan soto like i don't know uh, but th- those are my guys, my free agency targets. Yeah, I think that. Think? I think. Uh, I think that David Stearns is definitely going to take advantage of the waiver wire. I think that you're going to see some underrated, high upside signings for the bullpen in cohesion with some reliable guys. Uh, I think he'll be active on the trade market. Yamamoto, I think definitely. You know, I don't want to get my hopes up, but I think that I, I think that the Mets are really going to make him their top priority. How could you not? I mean, he's young, he's incredible, and you're not signing a guy like Verlander or Scherzer who's at the end of their career. I mean, Yamamoto really should be entering his prime years, even though he's pitched for a long time overseas. Um, Seth Lugo would be really interesting. I don't know if that relationship is like strained because of you know how the Mets let him walk and not having him be um, a starter, starter for a long yeah. time. Um, but yeah, so I think I would really, in my opinion, I mean, I would really like to see the Mets sign Ed, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez. I think that'd be a big, a big uh, sign. He's for interesting. Them. He's very interesting. Yeah, you know, Erod would be great after after leaving Detroit. Um, and then I heard that the White Sox are putting Dylan Cease on the trading block, and I think that the Mets could easily fleece Jerry Reinsdorf in a deal and get someone like Dylan Cease for some pennies. Like you could trade someone like I don't know, like Alexander Ramirez or something like that, and like you know, get Dylan Cease back. I mean, hey, yeah. Corbin Burns, you know? Corbin I, Burns. I, if, I if, was reading a, a Ken Rosenthal article on The Athletic Today talking about how there's a lot of thinking in GM circles that the Brewers are going to be sellers this uh, this winter. I just wonder Woodruff if Woodruff and Burns, who have one year left in arbitration, um, they've already traded away Mark Hanna, uh, yeah, which is interesting. Who had a good second half with the with the Brewers? Our boy. Um, and that you know they might be looking, you know, trade out more guys. Like if not Juan Soto, like I mean, I, I think I want to shelve this for like another episode. But I think I'd be very um, interested to see if, and I'm about to do that thing again. But you got you got the brain, Rob. Outfielder for the Brewers. 
Christian Yelich? I think Yelich could be a thing. He yeah, still has I like mean, five years, 130 million left on his contract, which could be prohibitive. But you know, if he he had a pretty good rebound year last year, and he could be someone. I just wonder if the Brewers are going to be like salty and not want to trade with the Mets. That is interesting, but I don't know if it's going to. I don't know if it'll come to that. I think. I think they all have a deep respect for each other. David Stearns, uh, the guy who took over for him last year when when David Stearns stepped down. Um, although David Stearns did take another guy from the Brewers to be the, his vice president um, and head yeah. of like scouting or something. Yeah, he'll probably be like the like the one B to Stearns. Like he'll probably be like the acting GM, you know, GM. Like what we thought Billy Epler would be. Yeah, like he'll, he won't have that title, but he'll essentially be like that guy. And then the Mets might bring in like an actual GM next year, and then you know who knows. But I mean, Stearns is the GM. Like we all know that baseball president operations is just a fancier term for general manager. Maybe you have a little bit more responsibility responsibilities, but responsibilities. Yo, responsibilities. It means like a million responsibilities. Yeah, man. You know, cause he's making a million dollars per hour or something like that. Something like that. But yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think that your off season plan, I, I'd, I'd like to see that as maybe like a, you know, foundation, but I feel like the Mets got to get a little splashy on offense beyond just Adam Duvall because, you know, I think they really could use like another star in that lineup. Um, I don't know if they'll sign, if they'll trade for Soto. They could probably have Soto for like a not crazy package. Um, and the I, Brewer, I think, yeah, the guys they the Padres, got in sorry. from the, in the, at the deadline too are total. I mean, there's a lot of depth at shortstop, you know? I think I would be okay with, like, Luis Angel Acuna and, like, a, you know, like a Vientos or something for uh, Soto. I don't see why that doesn't get it done. He's a one-year guy. Maybe, I mean, it was it was floated that David Peterson could be someone who could be packaged into that, but obviously he's hurt. But, like, you know, like a low-level pitcher, uh, you know, highlighted by, like, a, a key prospect who I think is like the third best of the shortstops that the Mets have anyway in in their system. So who Acuna? Yeah. Well Jet Williams is is you know is is the best and then Yeah, he's amazing. Other than that, who who do you think is? Actually who are the other well Mauricio. I like Mauricio. I still think he's, he's gonna guy. be something. He's, he's my guy. guy. I think Acuna is better than Mauricio, but I who knows. Also, like I like I don't know what it would take. I'm not going to guess. I don't know what it would take to get someone like Soto. You know, I don't know if the if the if the I mean, he's still even though it's a one year thing, the Padres will probably want. It's so hard. I don't know because they're also like like hemorrhaging money, as we yeah. all know now. Um, so I think that you know Acuna and maybe like parada like you know like like would you do that deal um if there was hope that the Mets could re-sign him I would do that deal um I don't know I don't know I you know I'm not making these decisions I'm not going to be one of these like bleacher report guys who are like coming up with these wild speculations I think that it's worth exploring for Soto for sure I think that he would want to stay in New York too I mean he's the he fits the mold of I think what the Mets are looking for long term, like really perfectly, and I think that he, the Mets fans would embrace him very much. So, um, I would definitely like to see Soto, but I don't know. You know, 
I, I I'm just trusting the process with Stearns. Really, that's like my mantra for the for the off season. You know, I think that even though you know he hasn't done anything yet, but you know he picked up Penn Murphy from the from the Mariners. He's out all of next season, but that's a guy who I think that's a really smart move. That's the kind of move that you can expect with Stearns. I don't think he's going to make these knee jerk moves in order to just make a trade. Like it's going to be very like you know meticulous. I mean, and and you think about it, it's like when have when when did the Brewers really ever get burned on a trade? You know, like he wasn't making the, those kind of deals where you're like, oh man, like, you know, that was so short sighted or whatever. Like he didn't, he didn't really get burned very much. Um, no, uh, his 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 uh, Christian Yelich trade is oh, the, 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 they all fantastic. Sucked. Everybody sucked uh, in that deal that the Marlins got back. Every single one of them was horrible. And the Willie Adames trade was also brilliant. Who did they, who did he give to the who did they give to the Rays for that? Was there it's someone who wound up being really good? Is that like Rasmussen or I don't even know? I've never said his oh, name. I think out it was. Loud. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was. It was Drew. Yeah, Rasmussen. and he's been hurt. You know, he's been really good when when healthy, but he's not been healthy. So yeah, he missed like all of this past year. But yeah, that trade was horrible. That Yelich trade. They they got Lewis Brinson, who turned out to be a major bust. Uh, Magnieri Sierra, I think, was in that trade, and he was bad. Or was he? Maybe he. Maybe he was in the Marcelo Zuna trade. I can't remember. the The Marlins didn't very do very well in all of those trades, but they did get. Actually, the most the Ozuna trade I think was good. Be, I'm just ranting here, but I think they got Zach Gallon and Sandy Alcantara in that deal. Right, and then they flipped Zach Gallon for Jazz Chisholm, which was a bad move, in my opinion. It was a yeah, bad no, absolutely. move. Absolutely, I know Chisholm's a guy that like fans really like, but Gallon is just so good, man. And I don't think Jazz Chisholm's really that good. I think he's just more likable than as good, you know. Hasn't he only played more than hundred games once, and that was like his MLB the Show year? It might have been this year, but I, I think it was the year before the MLB the Show year. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, Either way. yeah, we could totally talk about. We'll totally talk about like more in depth free agent stuff as the off season progresses. We're still in the early stages here, um, but Alex, the last topic. Let's just end it with this. We'll do a short little, you know, thirty second to forty five second thoughts each on should the Mets bring Daniel Vogel back back. That's been the big thing that everyone's talking about now. Is there any benefit to bringing him back? Let's play devil's advocate. Okay, um, I'll play your games. He's a high, he's a high on base percentage guy. Uh, maybe with like a new organizational philosophy, different guy in the clubhouse. Maybe he comes around. He could tap back into some of his slugging prowess again and be a real productive bat. Yeah, but that's it. But but, but I he doesn't <laughs> play a position. He doesn't play a position. If he's pressed to like have to go to first base, you can't have confidence in him to do that. He's not a good base runner. I think there's a lot of options out there as a DH who who uh, who are guys that you could still slip into um, a spot in the in in the infield outfield somewhere. That's why I like the Mitch Garver thing or Adam Duvall. Anybody who could on a day off, you know, go to DH. Or play a position when when needed, you know. I and he's just not a good base runner, and he he doesn't even hit for that much power when he was good anyway. Uh, you know, you could make the connection to you know Stearns signed him or traded for him once with the Brewers, but he also let him go once as well. Uh, he's I think he's a clubhouse guy to an extent because I, I guess people like him. 
but yeah, that's he's, it. He's, you, know. you know, if you're going to fill up your 40, you're going to have it with guys who could, um, who have variance in their skill, who have different things to bring to the table and can really diversify your lineup. And him being a statue up there and watching strike calls, strike threes all the time is just not what I want to see again. I can't he's, do it. He's too one dimensional. He is just yeah. really, you know, if Vogelbeck was just a strict DH, but he could hit lefties and righties and, that was like his game. I would be more than okay with bringing him back, but you know, he, he's, he, you can't, you know, you're a lot of times late in games, you're subbing him out on the base paths. He strikes out a lot. He, his play discipline discipline is like almost too like selective where like, you know, he'll watch strikes where he should be swinging. You know, he strikes out a decent amount. He walks a lot. Yes. But, like, he can't play the field, like you said. He doesn't hit for, like, a tremendous amount of power. Like, he'll hit 10-plus home runs, maybe 15-plus home runs. But he's just too one-dimensional. I, I think that the Mets will, like, humor him, and I, I think they'll bring him back for spring. Tra- I think that him and Omar Narvaez are going to get the same kind of thing, where the Mets will bring them back for spring. Maybe Narvaez a little bit more so. You know, he'll probably get a little bit of a longer leash because I think he's making, like, $7 million And maybe – He'll still be okay as like a backup, uh, whatever. But I think that Vogelback especially will get like the Darren Ruff treatment, where like they'll bring him back. He's still like pretty affordable. But if he has like a really atrocious spring training, he won't travel north with the team. Straight up, I forgot about Omar Navarez when I when I brought up Mitch Carver. Yeah, I I, I, <laughs> I know you did, but also like I think it still could be beneficial to bring someone like Mitch Carver in. Um, because I, I really don't think Narvaez is very good, and like I don't think he's gonna last on the team the whole year. So, also remember Tomas Nito. Totally forgot. Yeah, about that him. was exactly like I. I was re- only remembering Tomas Nito when I mentioned Mitch Carver, and I was Damn, like, no. I, I was only forgetting Tomas Nito. So I'm glad one of us remembered him. Hey, you know what? He was. We we liked him. <laughs> we liked him. And I love Tomas uh, Nito, man. Yeah. When I when I went to Bark at the Park last time with Samson last May and we were walking on the field, he was the only guy who it was like it had to have been like a week before he was sent down or something. Sent to the electric Uh, chair. Or or it might have been like a week after he came back up from the injury. Something I think he was injured and then he came back up and then they sent him down later. But it was a brief moment of him of in time of him being on, on the Mets roster and being like, Hey, Tomas. And I waved to him and that's it. Yeah. He was, I mean, he was a good, but I'm like, I'm at a time. I'm at like a period now where it's like, I don't want to see Tomas Nito anymore. I don't want to see Luis Guillorme anymore. Like I'm yeah. ready to move past that era of like, Mets and I think they're, I don't, and I think they're done. I think there's, I mean, we talk about all the middle infield depth in the Mets system right now. There's no need for a Luis Guillorme. And I think he could be traded for something valuable. I think Stearns and them could prop. I think there's going to be a lot of turn. I think there's going to be more turnover thinking about it to how the roster's already been trimmed down to 33 people on the 40 men and i i think we're going to see more turnover listen if they can if david stearns can like like turn luis guillorme into like a sneaky like good middle relief pitcher i'd be more than okay with that you know what guillorme is right like he's okay in the field like he can he can pinch run if you need but he's a guy that's not going to hit for much power and like doesn't really do a whole lot with the bat. So like, like this is what he is. Like, he's not going to be a guy like Justin Turner. That's going to go and like, you know, 
become a superstar. That's just not going to happen. You know, like if anything, Guillaume will just like go to some team and be like a number nine hitter, number eight hitter and like play good defense. Like I could totally see him going somewhere like, I don't know. Like I could see him going somewhere to like Cincinnati or like, or like Cleveland and like being okay, you know, and like, that's it. And like, you never hear from, or like even like the Rays, maybe I could see like, like, like him going to, um, but like you know what it is with Guillermo. Like, I don't I don't have any like remorse. I wouldn't like be regretful of the Mets let go of him and would I wouldn't be like, oh that's gonna come back and bite them. I don't think that's gonna happen. So Seattle Mariner. He's gonna be a Mariner. Yeah, I could see him being a Mariner. I could see him like going to the Yankees for some like reason. <laughs> He's gonna go to the Yankees and and have uh, have a power surge like Curtis Granderson. He's gonna hit. He's gonna have like he's gonna hit forty three hundred and thirty foot home runs. Yeah, just like that are only home runs in Yankee Stadium. Here. Yeah, it'll be like a Matt Carpenter year. Oh my gosh, that year was crazy. Ay, ay, ay. Anyway, Alex, let's end this episode. Let's just remember some guys. We won't do the twenty questions. Let's just ease back into it. You know, who are you remembering? Just, you know, who's the most random Matt that you're thinking of right now? Um, Jeez. De- uh, Dennis Reyes. I never want to see him again. Oh, shit. Me neither. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> me really, me neither. All right. I'm going to dig deep. Let's see. Give me a year, Al. Give me a year. Screw it. 2023. Fuck. What, Tyson Miller? What was that? Tyson Miller. Oh my god! What was that like a one game thing? Yeah, that, I Tyson didn't know Miller, he there existed. He is. I didn't know he existed until like two weeks ago, so that's why I pick him. Tyson Miller. Tyson Miller. Tyson Miller and Denny's Reyes. You are DFA'd for good. You're for DFA'd good. to the shadow realm. I got some of these names. Uh, someone named Vinny Natoli pitched three and two-third innings. Who is that other? Reed Garrett, another guy. Reed Garrett is one that uh, Zach Muckenhern. I remember him. He got traded for uh, Trevor Gott. That's and right. Chris uh, Flexen. Oh, here we go. Was, Adam Kolarek. I've never heard that name before in my life. So I was actually bummed that they got rid of him because he was drafted by the Mets originally, and then they let him go, and he like made it to the majors. Then they got him back in that Phil Bickford trade, and uh, then they just like DFA'd him, and the Braves signed him. He's going to be a guy in the Braves next year that's going to have like a sub two ERA for some reason. He's gonna he's gonna be like a. Well, I don't want to talk Braves playoff, so I'm going to ditch that joke, but he's going to wind up being like an elite shutdown eighth inning guy. Yeah, exactly. For like no reason. And I'll be <laughs> like, why, no did the Mets, why did Billy Epler do this to us? I'm going to be like, are they, are they cheating? Yeah, they I, I think I think I didn't. I don't think they were cheating because of how bad the playoffs were. But we'll talk about that next time. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We're happy to be back, Alex. It was great to hear your lovely voice. You bring me immense comfort in this life, in this flesh prison. So thank you. Um, and we will catch you guys next time. Peace. Catch you all later. Let's LFGM. go Mets.